You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Cleary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Happy hour here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. If you weren't listening to the first segment, first off, how dare you? Second, welcome in. Third, Nick is not here. I'm joined by Austin Orman. Austin? All all three of those things apply to me. (laughs) I was not listening, but I am here now. And Nick is gone. How dare you? Welcome. And Nick is gone. He's going to the National Signing Day. You could call it late National Signing Day. You could call it regular National Signing Day. Whatever you want to call it. OG Signing Day. Yeah, it's National Signing Day today. And uh, Nebraska picked up four, five. Five. Five commits. The only surprise... Um, being DeAndre Barnes, Barnes, a six-foot corner out of Regis Jesuit High School in Aurora, Colorado. Now, I don't know much about him. I I watched a little bit of film. And again, I'm not a film junkie. I'm not going to be able to break down the film um, too crazy for you. But I do know another speed guy, another guy that's got speed to burn for Nebraska this time in the secondary. So they're really going after that. But I mean, (laughs) if you were listening to the first segment, Six foot five, two hundred and twenty-five pound defensive end, tight end, runs a ten-two hundred, commits to South Carolina. Nicholas Nichols, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, and I should really learn that. It looks like Nichols, but I think it's just Nichols. Yeah, he's going to be a problem at some point, whether he plays right away or not. He's going to be a problem in the SEC, so I will learn his name at some point. <laughs> uh, he committed to South Carolina today, choosing them over literally anybody else he wanted to go to. He was just at Oregon he had, last what, week. what, like 70 offers or something, something like that? Something like that. On 24-7, it says 47. Rival says like 97. Whatever. <laughs> he had a million. Nebraska, not there. That's one of those I don't think you're wasting your resources no, on a kid. You, you know it. you're not going to get right. it. <laughs> do it. Send a, send a scholarship offer out. Give I him don't a, care. Here's what you do. You give him a non-committable offer. Hey, we don't actually want you, or hey, we know you're not coming here, but we just want to get in on the party. Nah, I'd send him a commit. I'd say you. I'd send him an offer, and I'd be like, if you commit, you get whatever you want, sir. That's that's the NIL deal I give. <laughs> but <laughs> you no, can okay. be the head coach. I'll do that. I'll do that. Nebraska gets five commits, five signees. Uh, today, including their three transfers, all from the University of Georgia, um, all signing today. So when um, head coach Matt Rule speaks today at, I believe, uh, 2 o'clock or one forty-five somewhere around there, um, they'll be able to ask him about everybody in the class because everybody is signed. Uh, so we'll learn a little bit more about that. But speaking of the class and the signees and, and what have you, I want to ask Austin, I want to ask all of you, so feel free to comment on the Honda Lincoln hotline, the starter Heyman text line, 402-464-5685. Nebraska is currently at, I believe, 103 or more scholarship players. They need to be at 85 by the time fall camp starts. You have all of the rest, you, not all, you have the rest of winter, all of spring, and all of summer to get back down to 85. Now, I ask you, all of you, Austin included, obviously, is 103 scholarship players good for this roster in terms of competing for those final roster spots will this be an iron sharpens iron situation where you have all of these guys who are on scholarship they know that not all of them can stay here on scholarship Mm -hmm. so that's going to push them even harder or could this be a situation where maybe you have some people who don't take kindly to competition or, or something along those lines and some good players end up leaving because they don't believe that they should have to fight for this or they believe that they're not going to get their spots right i think that there will be 
you know, a fair share of that second group where, you know, they feel that it's owed to them or maybe not in those specific terms where, you know, they felt like they got recruited over. They felt like they were working as hard as they could. Coach, you know, saw someone else gave someone else the spot. So they're going to dip. I'm sure there will be some of that. But again, isn't that where adversity reveals true character? Do you want guys like that on the team? I'm not sure. The hope is that there is more of the competition aspect to it, Mm -hmm. where hopefully the competition is at key spots as well. If it's on the offensive line, so you make sure you have the guys that showed the best over that. The defensive line is key. Defensive backfield is always going to be crowded. You have to have a lot of guys there. Yeah, It's it's going to be, you know, dog-eat-dog world in the defensive backfield. Even the wide receiver room with so many bodies there. I know they brought in a lot of transfer guys in this class, but that was a position the old staff recruited really heavily. Mm-hmm. Again, you just need to throw bodies at that problem. So I would expect to see the most thinning in the wide receiving room and the defensive back room. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it's because of competition. You know, you think of, you know, the quote unquote diva positions. It's the superstar wide receivers. <laughs> it's the superstar DBs that are always running their their mouths. Yeah. Um, we haven't had that in Nebraska. We haven't heard a whole lot of that. Um, so my hope is that they're the, you know, the dogs in those rooms that are going to compete, get after it, you know, survival of the fittest Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And that's got to be the hope across the roster. Now, what I'm really looking at, and I know you mentioned those two positions, what I'm looking at, and I know a lot of other people are going to be looking at is the offensive line because they have, you know, they're, they're same players from last year. They have the guys that they recruited. They have a couple transfers coming in. Um, you want to hand the, the, the reins of center over to Ben Scott. I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. that might be the only spot on the offensive line that's solidified. Other than that, you have four spots open. You have a lot of bodies in there. And that's something that I think is going to be really interesting to look at throughout the winter, spring, and summer. Because, again, mm-hmm. they're over on scholarships. They're going to have to cut some people um, by, before fall camp starts. So the offensive line, I think, is going to be uh, – uh, the, just the trenches in general are just going to be a bloodbath because you heard Terrence Knighton the other day, uh, the H- new Huskers defensive line coach, speak about you know he wasn't really sure exactly what they had, but they have a a, a good a good defensive line room right now. He didn't say it was great. He he he. I think he said something along the lines of he likes what he's working with, but there is going to be room for improvement. So the trenches are going to be something that I'm going to be looking at fiercely mm-hmm. because you've got. One solidified starter, more than likely, on the offensive center, on the offensive line. On the defensive line, I think it's open for grabs. It's up for grabs. Nobody is going to be guaranteed a spot. Although you Mm -hmm. have a Ty Robinson who might come back with the most experience, at least at Nebraska, on the defensive line. Everything else is open. You brought in some guys. You have a couple uh, freshmen that you brought in. Again, I don't think that those positions are necessarily ready for freshmen right away unless you're Mm -hmm. a freak. Um, <laughs> that's that's the up and down of those positions because you want to be old on the offensive line and the defensive line. That's how we've seen Wisconsin have so much success. Minnesota's gotten old, stayed old. Iowa seems like they always have older offensive lines. So you want to play the old guys because they seem like they should be more physically mature. Now they should understand the playbook better, be more ready to go and have that experience factor. But at the same time, if the old guys are clearly worse, mm-hmm. you've got to play the young guys, right? Plain and simple, you have to. Yeah. Make it, you know, throw them in the fire, say, go learn. Sink or swim. Yeah. You proved to us you know, in winter conditioning, in spring ball, that summer conditioning, best. that you were better. You, This is what you wanted. Now, you signed up for this. Now we need you to perform. Go get them. And that's going to, it's going to be so, 
I, I want to know what the reaction from the fan base is going to be because obviously the coaches are going to know more than any of us on who's doing the best in practices and who is doing the best and ready to see the field. But I want to see the reaction from the fan base. If you get somebody that's that's younger starting on the offensive or defensive line because they've shown themselves during camps, during during the offseason to be the truly the, the better uh, player at whatever position. So to have that happen and to think, oh, you know, and I don't, I don't know how many people would say this, but it's like, oh, you know, th- this guy got this spot because this is the person that they recruited as opposed to a person that was a holdover from the previous staff. I'd be curious to see on the text line what the breakdown is. If I said you replace last year's entire offensive line, none of the five guys from last year start this year. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? On its face, like, oh, yeah, the offensive line suck last year. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Can you give up on those guys, though? Because, again, they're old. Do you trust the young guys to come in and be you know, physically mature, to understand the playbook? Do you trust them to keep either Casey Thompson or Jeff Sims upright? Yeah. Again, not sure you can trust last year's line, but can you trust five new guys? Mm-hmm. So it's not as simple as just you know moving on. None of those guys from last year that are back have absolutely locked down a starting spot. Every single one of them, you can go across the line. Left tackle, Teddy Prohaska, injury bug. Hasn't proven he can stay on the field. Four games total in two years. Four games total. Nuri flashed in eight games, mm-hmm. but that's eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, it center, was a starter at Colorado State, but that's Colorado State. Right. Ben Scott, all pack 12 caliber guy. It's only his second year as a center. Second year as a center. Right guard, you think that's Turner Corcoran's spot right now. Mm-hmm. But again, he's bounced around so much. Can he hold a spot down? He's been everywhere. And Bryce Benhart is the name I think you go to first at right tackle. Bryce Benhart hasn't is, been able to hold it down. He's been given just, every opportunity in the world. Now he did improve as the season went on, but is mm-hmm. is it? And I don't want to be mean to the kid. Like, is it is it too little, too late for him to you know get himself into the good graces of the fans? And again, the fans don't make these decisions, so it doesn't right. really matter what the fans think. If they think, oh, this person shouldn't be starting, doesn't matter. It's what the coaches see and what the coaches decide. So yeah, we're not saying get rid of him. We're saying everyone's got something to earn. Yeah, no spot is assured. So if there's no no returning, no nobody that started last year on the offensive line is a starter on this year's offensive line. What is the reaction? I I don't know if I would feel good or bad one way or the other. I, I, I don't know if I would feel uh, relief because, oh, finally things are changing, or if I would feel terror because none of these guys played last year. I don't know how much experience they have because, as you said, right. especially in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, the old guys play the most. Every every team that has success has, has on the offensive and de- defensive line, has old guys. Mm-hmm. outside of the freak athletes for Ohio State and for Michigan. And most of those guys are edge rushers, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a defense, you, you don't have a freshman defensive tackle. No, plain and simple. They're not ready technique-wise. No matter how big they are, they're smaller or not as good as using leverage as the guy across from. Mm-hmm. Really, the only way you can get away with a young guy on the defensive line is if it's an edge rusher, you just you know take the leash off and say, go get him. Rush the passer. That's your one job. Forget about your rush lanes. Uh, forget about stopping the run. Third and long, you're in. Go, go get the quarterback. That's about it. Yeah, it's it's it's. It, you want to say it's simple? It's pretty simple. You're going around somebody. You're going through somebody to get to the quarterback. There's still a lot more to it than that than than we make it out to be. But in in layman's terms, yeah, you're right. It's it's pretty simple. As an edge rusher, is simple, your job, not easy. Your job is to get the quarterback and take him down. Whereas in the defensive, if you're a defensive tackle, if you're a nose guard, if you're in the middle. 
your job isn't necessarily to break through the offensive line and take down the quarterback. Your job necessarily isn't exactly always to to tackle the running back. Sometimes your job is to eat up three blocks so right. that your linebackers, so that your edge rushers are able to go one-on-one or they're able to get open holes to make the tackles on the running backs, to, get to, to, to sack the quarterback. Sometimes you're not getting all of the glory and all of the, all of the praise, but what you're doing, what your job is, is so important to that defense and to that defensive line that it cannot be understated. And I don't know if a freshman would be completely ready for that, unless they're, again, a freak and just extremely knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Usually at those positions, it's an older guy that's taking over. Right. Just because I think it's easier, too, for an older guy who's you know been through the battles to be a better teammate. Like if, if a freshman's still getting his eyes opened, and then he gets, you know, popped in the middle or he has, you know, he's getting double teamed in the mm-hmm. middle and he can't do his job. That's eye opening. Yeah. I want a little more experience there because you know what it's like. You know, you've been through those battles before. You've taken on those blocks before. And again, since you've been around the block, you're probably more willing to say, hey, I've been here before. What's one more time that I can be a good teammate? Get exactly. someone else open. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to take on these three blocks. You're going to get through. You're going to make the tackle. And we're all going to celebrate because we're all happy because this worked out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get all the glory. You're going to get the glory, but I know what I did freed you up to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is the experience. A little bigger picture thing. Yeah, that's the experience, the bigger picture mm-hmm. that you're going to want with, with some of those guys. So, again, National Signing Day, Nebraska's class, I believe, is, is done. They've gotten all of the signatures that they can get or signatures that they did get. Um, again, three transfers from the University of Georgia uh, coming into Nebraska for next season. We'll see exactly what happens. They've got a couple of months to... Uh, Fight fire with fire, iron sharpening iron, and, and get that roster down from 103 scholarship players down to 85. But until then, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle, and it's gonna be really interesting to follow from afar because I'm not trying to get in the middle of any of that. Uh, that's gonna be <laughs> second segment of Happy Hour. Up next, the crossover. Uh, maybe we'll get Strick on the stream. I'm not sure how busy he is, but uh, me and Austin will be right back here on the Happy Hour. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.